Recently, I had to fly out of town for business, and the trip started amazing. I was flying Southwest, and I was in the A group, which is the equivalent of first class for Southwest, and I got in the plane, and I found my spot right there in the aisle so I can stretch out my legs. Uh, just a couple moments later, a couple came right beside me, and they sat right next to me, and they were delightful. They were nice. We had a great conversation. And then the trip got even better. During the in-flight service moment, I got a full can of soda. I got a couple bags of trail mix, and I even discovered for the very first time that you can text in flight. I said, this is amazing. Now, everything was awesome until it wasn't. About 30 minutes before landing the plane, the pilot comes on the intercom and he tells us, we need to prepare the cabin for landing and for turbulence. You know, he chimed the, the little bell for the buckle your seatbelt a couple times. And I knew it was serious when the, the, the flight attendant came on and she told us that we needed to buckle our seatbelts, that we couldn't get up anymore, that we had to raise our tray tables and our seats into their locked and upright position, and that we had to make sure that the floor area around us was clear so we could move around if necessary. So then I look outside the window, and all I see is a dark sky. I see clouds laden with rain, and I begin to see the wings of the plane flexing and straining in the wind. And then the turbulence hit. And with every jolt and movement of the plane, it brought forth gas and muffled whispers. People were silent, but the anxiety was through the roof. People were worried and nervous. We continued to fly and it didn't get any better. Because while we were on our final descent, we noticed that the pilots were struggling against the yoke, trying to keep the plane level and straight and on course and on its proper descent. I noticed that people were praying and that babies were crying and that the man right across the aisle from me was gripping, stoically quiet, the armrest so tight that his knuckles turned white. The tension was palpable. We finally hit the tarmac and one bump turned into four. We were wheels down, but the trouble wasn't over. We were racing down the runway. The plane was shuddering and the luggage was rattling above us and people were worried if the plane was going to stop. It wasn't until the pilot came on the intercom and told us that we had arrived at our destination that the tension broke and people erupted into cheering and high fives and laughter. There was even one woman wiping tears from her eyes because we were so relieved to be on the ground and to be safe. The pilot had gotten us to our destination and we were so very grateful. We had made it through the storm moment. I began to think about how Jesus is a lot like that pilot. Often in life, we're going through life and we encounter unexpected storms that rattle our faith and cause us to question our resolve in Jesus. But I wanna reassure you that the captain of your life, the captain of your soul, Jesus Christ, promises to get you to your destination. And if you're struggling today and you're in a storm, I want you to trust Jesus. In fact, I've titled my message today, Trust Jesus in the Storm. Say, trust Jesus. 
trust Jesus in the storm. He doesn't promise us smooth sailing, but he does promise to get us to the destination that he has for us. So today I wanna encourage you to trust Jesus in the storm. In fact, I wanna tell you a story that we find in the book of Mark. We've been in the book of Mark in this series, The Real Jesus. And so I wanna invite you to open up your Bible, your Bible app, your Westover app, to Mark chapter four. We're gonna look at the word of God together. We're gonna look at the story of how Jesus and his disciples get in a boat, they go on the Sea of Galilee, and all of a sudden there's a storm. A storm that they had never encountered before. Now keep in mind that these disciples, a good majority of them, were experienced fishermen. They had experienced storms before, but this was a storm that was like none other. They came to a point where they needed help, but the good news is that Jesus, the captain of their soul and the captain of your soul, was in the boat. So join me, Mark chapter four, verses 35 and following. Let's look at the word of God together. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Let me pause and, and ask this question. Are you willing to leave some people behind to follow Jesus? For you see, in life, the people who got you to this point may not be intended to get in the boat with Jesus to take you to the destination that he has. These disciples had to leave the crowd behind. And I wanna suggest to you that for some of you, God is saying, if you wanna follow me, you're gonna have to leave some other people behind. But in addition, you're gonna have to put other people in boats that come alongside you because they need to follow Jesus as well. I wanna challenge you. For whoever I'm speaking to, whoever God is speaking to, be willing to leave some people behind to follow Jesus. Let's continue, verse 37. A furious squall, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat. Just imagine in your mind what's happening. So that they were nearly swamped. The boat was sinking. But look at what Jesus does. And this is a little curious. Jesus was in the stern, which is the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. Hmm. How is it possible that Jesus could be sleeping at this moment? I'm glad you're asking that question. We're gonna discover that in just a moment. Goes on to say, the disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? I think many of us, we feel like that. We encounter storms in life and we begin to ask Jesus, don't you care that we're drowning? God, it seems like you're sleeping. Are you awake? Are you paying attention? I wanna challenge you that even if it seems like Jesus is sleeping, even if it seems like your boat is sinking, trust Jesus in the storm. If you do, you'll discover that he'll get you where you need to go. Here are a couple steps to trust Jesus in the storm. Number one, believe the promise. Say believe. Believe, believe the promise. Believe the promise of God. If Jesus said it, you can hold fast to it. You can believe the words of Jesus because what he says is true and his word is irrevocable. In fact, Isaiah 55 says this, that when God speaks a word out of his mouth, it doesn't return to him empty. It actually goes and accomplishes his desires and the purpose for which it was spoken. So whatever Jesus speaks, it always comes to pass. So I want you to hold fast to the promise that God has given to you. 
In fact, Jesus makes a promise in verse 35. He says to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. They left the crowd behind and they decided to follow Jesus. Here's what's interesting to me, is that Jesus didn't stay on the shore while the disciples went through the storm. He was right there with them. And some of you, you need to realize that Jesus is in the boat with you. And it may seem like he's far away, but he's as close as the mention of his name. Some of us, we just need to cry out and say, Jesus. And you'll discover right then and there, he'll wake up and he'll come attend to your need and your concern. He tells them, let us go to the other side. I love what Jesus does here. When he speaks this, he doesn't actually tell them that they're gonna face the biggest storm of their life. He just says, you're gonna make it. You're gonna make it. So I wanna encourage you today, if Jesus said it, believe it. If Jesus said it, believe it. His word is irrevocable, his promise is faithful, and whatever he's spoken to you will come to pass. If you're holding on to a promise about a family member coming to Jesus, if you're holding on to a promise that he's gonna provide to you even though you're unemployed, if you're holding on to a promise that he's gonna give you a child even though you've been barren for years and years, you can trust the words of Jesus because if he says it, it will be accomplished and you can hold fast to it. His word is true and faithful. Believe the promise. See, here's what I've discovered. God's word is proven in the storm, not on the shore. Now, if you look at Mark chapter four at the very beginning, Jesus is teaching his disciples and other people in the crowd about the kingdom of God. He's telling them about the kingdom of God, and the reason he can tell them about the kingdom of God is because he's the king. But the disciples didn't realize who they were rolling with. They didn't know that he was the almighty king. So he puts them in a circumstance where they have to put faith in what he had said. Remember, his words are not proven on the shore. They're proven right in the middle of the storm. This is why. This is why he put them in that moment. Because he wanted to prove to them that he had authority over everything that they were going to struggle with. He wanted to prove to them that his promise was true and faithful. He had to be in a position where he had the opportunity to flex his spiritual authority to prove to the disciples that he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords and the almighty one and the one who came down from heaven to save humanity and to give them a hope and a future. I don't know about you, but that makes me excited because the Jesus that we serve is alive and he's still the king and he has all authority and we can put our trust in him. He's good and he's faithful. It is this very authority why Jesus is sleeping in the back of a boat. Now you may be wondering, how is it possible that he was sleeping in a boat while it's raining? Well, in those old fishermen boats in the first century, they had a little deck on the back of the boat which is called the stern and he was sleeping under that little deck on a pillow. That's how he was able to sleep. But here's the real reason why he was able to sleep. It's because he was confident in the authority of his word. He had spoken something and he knew that it would come to pass. That's why he was at peace. Even though the disciples were worried and the storm was not only around them but within them, he knew that what he had spoken would come to pass. 
because his word is good and faithful. That's why he was sleeping. It's not that he was tired. It's not that he was trying to ignore them. It's that he was confident in his word. And he needed the disciples to be confident in his word as well. And Jesus is challenging us to be confident in his word because his promise is good and it's faithful. So hold on to the promise. Believe that Jesus journeys with you even when it seems like he's asleep. He's as close as the mention of his name. You call on him, he'll come and rescue you and he'll get you to the other side. The second step to trust Jesus in the storm is to ask Jesus to silence your storm. Ask him to silence your storm. Now you know this, fam, you know this, that in life we're gonna face storms. Storms are inevitable. You're either headed into a storm, you're right in the middle of a storm, or you're headed out of a storm. Storms are inevitable, but preparation is optional. I wanna invite you to prepare yourself for the storm, and the best way to prepare yourself for the storms of life is to make sure that Jesus is in your boat, because he can't silence the storm in your life if he's still on the shore. He has to be in your boat and in your life if you want him to silence the storm that you're facing. But these disciples, they thought that they had it. They said, Jesus, we got this. You can rest. We're experienced fishermen. We've got this. How many of us are like that with Jesus? We're going through life and we say, Jesus, I've got this. You can just hang off on the side. I got this. I'm in control of my life. I never want to get to a point where I think that I've got things in hand because I never know when a storm is gonna come up and I'm gonna need him. We need to allow Jesus to be in our life but also leading our life because if we allow him to do so, he then has the opportunity to silence the storms in our life. These disciples weren't ready. He wasn't ready, he wasn't ready. They weren't ready for it. They didn't know what was coming. In fact, this is what we discover in the passage, verse 37 and following. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. This is when they say, teacher, don't you care that we're about to drown? At that moment, he then stands up as it says, he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Immediately, the wind died down and it was completely calm. You notice in the passage, Jesus didn't tell the storm and the wind and the waves to be silent and to be still. He rebuked it. He rebuked it. And this word rebuke is exactly what you think. This word rebuke is what is described, what Jesus does in Mark chapter one when he rebukes the demons that were afflicting a man. He rebuked the demon to stop afflicting the man and he told the demon to be still, to be muzzled, to be silent. And this is exactly what Jesus does in this moment. He rebukes the storm. He tells them to be silent in Jesus' name. This word quiet means be silent or be still and this word still actually means be muzzled. Do you know that God has the authority to muzzle the mouth of the lion that wants to steal, kill, and destroy in your life? He has the authority to do that. Some scholars seem to think that the storm that they were facing wasn't a regular storm, it was a demonically crafted storm. It was a storm intended to prevent them from getting to their intended destination, why? Because when we fast forward to Mark chapter five, what we discover is that Jesus' express purpose going across the Sea of Galilee was to set two men free from demonic oppression. These two men were filled with a legion of demons, which is a bunch of demons. Some scholars seem to think that some of those demons went out to prevent 
Jesus from crossing over. For you see, the area that he was crossing over was into a city called Gerasa, also called the Gerardines or the Gerasenes. And what you know about this area is that that one city was part of 10 cities called the Decapolis, where non-Jews lived, where Gentiles lived, where the enemy was operating and working, where the authority of the devil was present. He had authority over and dominion over that area. Jesus wanted to put his big boot on the ground and say, this is my land, and those men are set free. And because uh, the sun sets them free, they're gonna be free indeed. I don't know what struggle you're facing. I don't know what difficulty you're facing. I don't know if you're facing oppression or a storm, but Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave, and every demonic power to give you freedom and to give you hope. So today, if you're facing an unrelenting storm, storm after storm after storm, all we need to do is say, be quiet, be still in the name of Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And some of us, we need to hold fast to that Jesus is all we need. We need to allow him to step his boots of authority into our life to set us and the people that we love free. Jesus has authority over every storm. And church, if we can take hold of that, we'll discover his authority and his power. He wants to proclaim freedom and hope to you. In fact, at the end of this moment, at the end of this service, we're gonna give you the opportunity to get to know Jesus. And we're gonna even have a worship moment where you're gonna be able to cry out to Jesus. Our prayer team's gonna be at the front they're gonna pray for you if you need a breakthrough. If you're facing an unrelenting storm, we wanna pray with, pray with you and pray for you and encourage you. The third step to trust Jesus in the storm is invite Jesus to be your Lord. Say Lord. Jesus is Lord. We need to allow him to be Lord of our life. We can't just utter it with our lips, we have to live it in our life. We need to let him be Lord of our life. Who Jesus is in our life determines what he can do in our life. If he has little influence, he has little impact in our life. But if he has great influence, he has great impact in our life. What God can do in your life depends on how you view him and what you allow him to do and be in your life. And I just wanna invite you to let him be the Lord of your life. After the storm calms down, the disciples are terrified. In fact, look at verses 40 and 41. It says this. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? The passage tells us that they were terrified and they ask each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. He said, don't you have any faith? I just finished telling you about the kingdom of God and that I was the king. Where's your faith? Why were you afraid? I'm in the boat. Here's the good news, church. The storm may come to you, and it may swamp your boat, but it won't sink if Jesus is in the boat. There's no way your boat is gonna sink if Jesus is in the boat. It's not gonna happen. You might get swamped, but he can rescue you. I've discovered that when God doesn't calm the storm around us, what he wants to do is calm the storm within us. I wanna invite you to ask Jesus to be in your life. He may not calm the storm that's around you, 
but let him speak peace be still to the storm that's within you. If he speaks peace be still to the storm that's within you, you can handle any storm that comes around you. We need to let Jesus be in our life and let him make that impact. They were terrified. They said, who is this Jesus? Even the wind and the waves obey him. What the disciples did realize is that this storm had to happen. For some of you, you may feel like you're being persecuted, but for some of you, the storm had to happen. There's a passage in the Old Testament in Psalm 107 that actually prophesies about Jesus and this very moment. And I can't help but think that maybe the disciples, when they were in the synagogue, they heard this specific psalm preached and their ears perked up because they were men who lived on the water and made their money and their livelihood on the water. I want you to read, I want you to listen to these verses in Psalm 107, verses 23 through 31. I'm gonna read them. Listen carefully. Again, this is a prophecy of Jesus. Some went out on the ship, some went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. For he spoke and stirred up and allowed a tempest that lifted high the waves. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. But then, anytime it says but then, pay attention. But then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he rescued them from their distress. Now this Old Testament verse actually prophesies Jesus in this moment. But the gospel accounts doesn't tell us that all the disciples actually called on him as Lord. In fact, there's three different accounts in three different gospels, which are the bi biographies of Jesus. And I want you to look at this really carefully. Each disciple had a different response. Each gospel writer recorded the response of a different disciple. In Mark, he records, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Another translation says this, that they said, teacher, we're drowning, if you really care. So there's some sarcasm and there's some doubt there. Interestingly enough, the only disciple that never called Jesus Lord but only called him teacher was Judas Iscariot. Judas didn't let Jesus be Lord of his life. Then we look in Luke, it records another disciple who says, master, master, we're going to drown. Now, master was the title for someone who was in charge, the captain of the boat. Master, master, we're drowning. But then in Matthew, look at what it says. One of the disciples cried out and said, Lord, save us. We're about to drown. I believe it was at that moment that Jesus got up. He stood forward and he spoke to the wind and the waves. He rebuked it and said, be silent, be still in Jesus' name. Why do I believe that? Because in Psalm 107, verses 28 30, it says this. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the seas were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. It was prophesied back then that Jesus would do this in this moment. And if he did that for them, he can do that for you. All we have to do is say, Lord, save us. Give me hope and freedom. Church, I don't want you to leave here without having an opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to invite him to be your Lord and Savior. So as I close, I wanna invite you to stand. Again, we're gonna step into worship in just a moment, but I wanna give you an audience with the Lord Jesus today. 
There's something that he wants to do in your life. There's something he wants to transform in your life. And I just wanna encourage you to lean into this moment. I know you have many things to do today, but I want you to focus in on Jesus. Here's my question. Who is Jesus to you? The question that the disciples asked are the same question that we have to ask of ourselves. Who, Jesus, are you in my life? If he's not Lord, he doesn't have the authority to quiet the storm. If you're facing a storm, the only way he can do it is if he's Lord and Savior of your life. So I wanna give you that opportunity. Inviting him into your life to be Lord of your life is as clear as ABC. A, it's admitting that you need a Savior and that you want him to be Lord of your life. B, it's believing that he died on the cross to pay for your sins and that he rose again to give you hope and freedom. And C, confessing with your mouth, but from your heart that you need Jesus. So now I'm gonna invite everyone front to back, side to side, up in the balcony to bow your heads and close your eyes. I know there's some of you who are here today and you need to say yes to Jesus. You want him to be Lord of your life. You want him to quiet the storm in your life. On the count of three, what I want you to do is raise your hand. You're not agreeing to join this church, you're just saying yes to Jesus. I'm gonna count it out. If you wanna say yes, raise your hand. One, two, three. Yes, 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 yes. The Lord sees it. Here's what I'm gonna invite all of us to do with heads bowed and eyes closed. I want us to all say this prayer from our heart. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive my sin. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. Save me, God. Rescue me from the storm I'm facing. I need you today and every day. I give you all of my life for all of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just said that prayer, welcome to the family of God. Let's give them a hand. Here are two things I'd like for you to do. Number one, text New Life to the number on the screen. We'd like to journey with you as you begin this walk of faith with Jesus. And number two, what I'd love for you to do is join Jesus Experience. It happens at 9.30 a.m. right here on site in Room 100 every Sunday. We'd love to encourage you. But now is the moment for those of you who are facing a storm and you need him to step out and say, be quiet, be still in Jesus' name. I'm gonna invite our prayer team to come forward. If you need prayer and encouragement or you just need to worship, this is your moment. Let's lean into Jesus, the, the rescuer of our soul, the captain of our soul who can give us hope and freedom and a new life. This is your moment. Don't leave here without having him break through in your life. Let's worship together.